So today's uh, message is called, And the Father of the Year Award Goes to... That's the title. All right. (laughs) So let's go ahead and pray, and we'll see what the Lord has for us today. Father, we thank you that you are a perfect Father. We thank you that you are also gracious to us. Uh, Lord, we just are, are, are corrupted uh, when we trust in ourselves. And that, and that is so deeply ingrained in us, this flesh, Lord, that we need your word to be brutally honest with us. Like a doctor giving a, a um, what's it called? Diagnosis, thank you. Uh, Lord Jesus, you, you diagnose us uh, as guilty of trusting in our flesh and trusting in ourselves. Lord, I pray you'd help us today to learn to trust in you and you alone. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. What do you call it when your dad falls through the ice? A popsicle. (laughs) That's good, right? Well, you know, I I started off with a joke because this this is one of the saddest chapters in the entire Bible. Uh, And in the history of all mankind, this is one of the worst um, stories. It's just horrible. Um, God's name isn't even mentioned once in this chapter. Even for a believer, like we see Jake, we know Jacob's a believer right now, but your life can get really, really, really messed up if you don't involve God in your daily life and in your family. Like going to church is great, but if it's not an everyday thing with you, where, you're, where God is the center of your life and you're surrendered, um, you can really mess up your life. And I'm sure many of you have experienced a family that was broken, my parents got divorced when I was two years old. Um, I've been divorced. I, I am been broken by divorce and by, and not just divorce. Have, anyone have a, a family that was just not okay? Like a dad that was a little bit brutal? I mean, everyone in here is like, man, we are so messed. Well, it, it's like that for everyone in America, everyone in the world. We have these messed up families. And we learn in the Bible that men are supposed to lead their families. Not dominate, not micromanage, but lead in love and in holiness. And this isn't uh, a rule from a man uh, that, that, excuse me, this isn't something that God gave men so that they would have a leg up or a rib up in the battle between the sexes. This is, this is just a way that God has given so that there can be order and, and godliness in a home, okay? Uh, this is a blueprint that God has given to have a blessed family so that we can be happy. He says, this is the way to be happy. A family that is whole and healthy and honoring to God is happy. Is your family whole, healthy, and honoring God? Maybe it is, maybe it isn't, but we're going to investigate today. And we're going to see some real problems in Jacob's family. If a man doesn't lead his family in the ways of God, the result can be disastrous. Girls will get hurt, as we'll see today. Boys will make terrible mistakes because of the void of leadership, as we'll see today. Wives will get angry, as we'll see when we talk about Moses in a couple weeks. Actually, a long time in Exodus, but oh, if we just did what the Word of God said, we would be more happy. We would be blessed. 
We would still have trials, but it's the way to be blessed from God. I'm going to give you real quick 13 reasons why a husband doesn't lead his home. You're like, 13, that's a lot. Well, sorry. It's just, we'll just, I'll throw them out to you. Maybe he doesn't know how to lead his home. So as you're evaluating your home and maybe your husband is a total goober, maybe one of these reasons fits. Maybe all of them fit. Maybe you're not married yet and you're thinking, well, what do I need to? Maybe he doesn't know how to lead his home. Number two, maybe he didn't have a father in his life to teach him what leading a family looked like. It's important to understand. Maybe his father was married to a contentious woman. Therefore, his dad kept his mouth shut so he could keep peace in the home. A son who saw this growing up is emulating his father who doesn't want a good, who does, who want, wasn't a good role model in leading his family. Maybe he's laid back, easygoing, and the type of personality that leading doesn't come natural to him. Maybe he's married to a contentious woman right now, and he wants to keep peace in the home. Maybe he's lazy and doesn't care. Maybe he's been taught by his parents that he's no good or he'll never amount to anything. In other words, he's afraid to fail so he doesn't try too hard in life. Or maybe he lacks confidence. Maybe he's been beat down and discouraged by his wife. Therefore, he's apprehensive to take the lead in his family. Maybe he's fine with the way things are in his marriage. Maybe his and his wife's roles are not defined within their marriage and there's confusion. Maybe the roles were reversed when he entered into marriage and it's hard for him to make changes now. Maybe he's trying to change but he's having a hard time doing so. Maybe he's not changing fast enough, according to his wife. Well, all of those are just kind of to get us thinking about where a family should go and how the Lord has designed this. So let's, with that in mind, let's look at Genesis chapter 34 and see what God has for us. Now, Dinah, the daughter of Leah, whom she bore to Jacob, went out to see the daughters of the land. Dinah, I'm going to tell you right now, has a void of godly leadership in her life. God's plan to save the world and bring his Messiah is all centered on the family, on this family. God is deeply committed to a real, loving, functional family. He's deeply committed. He, he is all about having a family. In fact, that's what he chose. The vehicle for bringing his son into the world was through a family. He didn't start an organization, the Messiah organization, that after 2,000 years, the Messiah would just become the CEO. No, he did a family because this is his supreme way of working in the world. All of the parts are family are important. You got the kids who are going to be the future generation the godly people of the future who serve the world in love. You got the husband and the wife who serve each other as an example and service to God. And they even serve their kids, which is a huge thing we're going to be talking about in the parenting conference coming up in two weeks. Serving your kids and serving God in parenting. Here, Dinah is allowed to just go out and see what the world has to offer. Uh, what other women of this land are like? Why do you think she's going out? Well, maybe because she has 12 brothers. 
and she's sick of the drama, right? I have six boys, and there is a lot of inappropriate, just boy stuff, right? Now, if, if you're one sister with 12 brothers, I can't imagine how sick of them you would be. Anyone have a lot of brothers? Yes. How many brothers you got? Three. How many you got? Four. Three. Four. Okay. Anyone more than that? You win a prize. Just kidding. Well, <clears throat> Dinah wins the prize. All right. We'll give her the prize today. She's having a rough day. Well, listen to this. If you're in, in, a, in a family where there's a lot of drama, the drama of your family is better than what the world has to offer. Don't try to get out of your family. Don't try to leave your family. Kids who think your, your life is crazy because you've got so many brothers or sisters, it's better in your family, no matter how crazy it is, than it is out there in the world. The world was very, very dangerous back then, okay? A woman who was alone in, this, in the culture of that land and unprotected had no value. Because they're like, oh, a woman walking around. Okay, so this must be just up for grabs. They didn't value women and their purity as a, as a culture. And this is where God has placed Jacob to live. And God wanted Jacob to make a difference in this land, not become a part of it and not ignore its problems. He put him in there to make a difference. Jacob is failing to lead his family and provide protection for his daughter right now. Go with her, Jacob, or send one of your sons with her. Send a servant with her. You have all these people. Are you telling me you're so busy that you can't spend one moment to go with your daughter so she's not taken advantage of? Or maybe even just have a conversation with her and find out what's going on in her mind that she wants to find out what's going on in the world and what the world has to offer and, and give her maybe a different plan? or explain things to her? Why, why is he just so not here right now? Love protects the innocent. And Jacob is too busy with his new life in the promised land to take care of his family. And this is so important. Ministry is never more important than the ministry to your family. You know, as, as someone who's in ministry, that's a huge lesson for me. And, but you guys are all in ministry too. I mean, you're at your jobs, wherever you're at in life, you can care about other people. None of it's as important as your family. Oh, but you don't understand my family. My family's crazy. Sorry. They're more important. Oh, but I think I should go out here and do this. No, your husband's more important. Your wife's more important. Your kids are more important than all of it. We got to understand that. Now in verse 2. And when Shechem saw the son of Hamor, the Hivite, the prince of the country, saw her, he took her and lay with her and violated her. <sighs> Being in the world in an unprotected way leads to this terrible act. But where was her family? Where was her covering? Where was her dad? Well, let me give you three things that Jacob was up to or that we know about Jacob at this time in his life. He was a man of compromise. Why wasn't he there? Because he was compromising. God had instructed him to go to Bethel, which is further away from here. 
It's out in the middle of nowhere, basically, where he could grow and develop his family. He moved to the city where he could be more successful monetarily and business-wise. Oh, Jacob, just listen to all that God says. Don't pick and choose. Don't be like, well, I'm in the promised land now. That must be good enough for God. No, listen to what he said. Number two, Jacob wasn't being a spiritual leader at all. He was compromising, number one. Number two, he wasn't a strong spiritual leader. We never hear about Jacob ever teaching or instructing his children in the ways of God or the ways of the Lord. Come to our parenting class and learn how to do this with us. Go sign up today. (laughs) Sorry, it's a little commercial in the middle of the Bible study. But it's perfect. Jacob didn't know how to teach his kids about God. We are going to study this. We are going to learn how to do that, how to discipline all the things that are really needed to be able to teach them about God's grace and God's love. Number three, Jacob was a man of obvious favoritism. Favoritism. Jacob let his personal relationships and marriage problems affect how he treated his children. This comes back over and over again in Jacob's life to hurt countless people. We're going to see later that he, he favors Jacob, or J, uh, Joseph and Benjamin over the rest of the brothers, and it creates major problems in the brothers' relationships. So we get now to verse 3. His soul was strongly attracted to Dinah, the daughter of Jacob, and he loved the young woman and spoke kindly to the young woman. So Shechem spoke to his father Hamer, saying, Get me this woman as a wife. When the world can take advantage of you, they want to lock that down. Satan wants to defile you and then get you addicted to his lies so that he can ruin your life from that moment on. See, Shechem wasn't done with Dinah. He wasn't finished with just defiling her and abusing her. No, he wanted to have her entire Life. He wasn't good with just ruining her life one time. He wanted to ruin it forever. He called that love. Verse 5, And Jacob heard that he had defiled Dinah, his daughter. Now his sons were with his livestock in the field. So Jacob held his peace until they came. Verse 6, Then Hamer, the father of Shechem, went out to Jacob to speak with him. And the sons of Jacob came in from the field when they heard it. And the men were grieved and very angry because he had done a disgraceful thing in Israel by laying with Jacob's daughter, a thing which ought not to be done. Jacob seems very passive, indifferent, not upset. Was it because he didn't care? Or maybe he felt responsible? Maybe both. Either way, his response is totally wrong. The correct response should have been anger. That's right. Anger is the correct response. When an innocent person is hurt, we should be angry. Yet not sin in our anger. That's what Ephesians chapter 4 says. Be angry and don't sin in your anger. If you have been abused or violated. It's possible that people in your life should have been more godly 
in that situation. In other words, it's possible that your dad should have gotten angry, but he didn't. God was and is very angry about sin. He never looks past any of it, does he? In fact, we learned about that word propitiation that taught us what God does with his anger. Because he doesn't just turn it off. He doesn't just say, oh, boys will be boys. You guys know. He poured out that anger on Jesus so that he could, put it, he could be free from ever feeling angry again at you because of your sin. Jesus became the propitiation for us. It was all paid for. All of God's anger will be satisfied. It will be paid for. Police maybe should have been called when one of us gets hurt, when one of us gets violated, we should be there. I'm not, not there saying, oh, don't feel so bad. But no, saying this is totally wrong. I'm so sorry that you're going through it, but I'm here for you. I'm with you right now. Protection of the weak is our job as the church, and it's our loving responsibility. We've got to be watching out for each other. If we can protect each other by going with each other places, great. I'm not talking about, hey, I need you to go to the grocery store, so come with me. But like in life, like the real things about life. Okay. Jacob is showing favoritism again. He, he, he was very upset you know, when Joseph and Benjamin get in trouble but, uh, because they're the sons of his favorite wife, which again, don't have more than one wife. I think I could say that safely without anyone being like, you're setting too many rules. No, just, it's really dumb to have more than one wife and illegal. How does that show on TV? How did the cops not go? You know what I'm, there's like a show, Sister Wives. I don't, they, is, okay, so yeah, it's legal in Vegas. I don't know. I don't even understand how that's there. Okay. Well, Jacob's sons are going to ma- take matters into their own hands now. Fathers, this is very important for you to understand. You, if you're not watching out for your kids, and if you're not leading them to do the right thing, they are going to do whatever they think is right. If you're not that strong presence of this is what's right and this is what's wrong and you need to do this, they are going to do what they think is right. There was a teacher who called home to to a student and She said, "Uh, you say Michael has a cold and couldn't come to school today. To whom am I speaking? And the voice on the phone said, this is my father. (laughs) See, without the dad, he's just doing whatever he wants. The void of godly leadership in this family is going to lead to the death of an entire city. Spoiler alert. People are going to die because Jacob's not being a leader in his family. By doing nothing, he's really putting them in a dangerous position to take things into their own hands. Instead of giving the place to their anger and taking responsibility for his poor parenting, he's too prideful to see that he's passively killing his family structure. He's not taking care of his responsibilities at home. Now look at verse 8. But Hamer spoke with them, saying, The soul... Of my son Shechem longs for your daughter. Please give her to him as a wife. 
and make marriages with us and give your daughters to us and take our daughters to yourselves. So you shall dwell with us and the land shall be before you. Dwell and trade in it and acquire possessions for yourself in it. Then Shechem said to her father and to her brothers, let me find favor in your eyes and whatever you say to me, I will give. Ask me ever so much dowry and gift, and I will give according to what you say to me, but give me the young woman as my wife. No one in the world cares if you've been hurt. They just want to get their claws in deeper. They want you to be more connected with them, more dependent on their system and their ways. That's what the world wants. Any price is good for the world. Because Satan knows he's getting a soul back to add to his collection. In essence, Hamor is saying, no hard feelings. I mean, I know my son, you know, raped your daughter and stuff, but no hard feelings. Let's just all become one big happy family. Nothing is done about the sin. Nothing is done about what was wrong. And that's what's going on in the world when when they say, oh, you don't need God to fix your problems, to fix your life. Just come to this course, take this class, do this little step program, and you'll be okay. And the problem is, what have they done about the sin? Who paid the price for the sin? Where is the sin gone? The sin's still there. I'm still hurt. Dinah's like, what's going on here? He wants to marry me now after he did this? The brothers are like, no, this ain't going to happen, right? But Jacob is being an idiot. Hamer offers an alliance between the two peoples, okay? To include intermarriage, trade, and land deals. That's all he cares about. Basically, what this would do is end Jacob's family. The, this family that God has created to take his truth and the seed of the Messiah all the way through time, Hamer's like, hey, let's, let's end that. Let's become one new people. Let's forget about Israel. Forget about what God's trying to establish in your life, being governed by him and led by him. No, let's, you can just be you, but, but be part of us too. And when you connect with us, you lose who you are. You're either led by the spirit and God, or you're being deceived by the world and connecting with the world. They're so separate, but Satan wants us to think that they're the same. He wants us to think you can make peace treaties. He wants us to think you can live at peace with the world and their ideas about what's right and wrong. No, it, it never addresses sin. That's what the world's problem is, is it doesn't address sin. Only Jesus addresses sin. So you got to listen to what he says in all things. Hamer asked Jacob and his sons to agree to something that is over and over and over again in the Bible uh, rejected or, or commanded that we don't do, which is marry unbelievers. Get connected with unbelievers. In Deuteronomy, Joshua, Corinthians, 1 John, all different places where God says, don't get married to unbelievers. Old Testament, New Testament, it's the same. He wants his people only to marry other godly people. Why? Because he knows that marriage affects your heart so much. It does. Verse 13, but the sons of Jacob, underline that, the sons of Jacob answered Shechem and Hamer, his father, and spoke deceitfully because he had defiled Dinah, their sister. Where is Jacob? Why are his sons speaking right now? 
This is completely inappropriate. But Jacob, he must feel that this is all below him. His pride is in the way. He would have, if, if he were to speak up right now, he would have to do this first. He would have to apologize and take responsibility for his lack of leadership. And I don't think Jacob is there yet. His flesh is too prideful to say, I've been a terrible father. And all of this is basically my fault. Yes, that's what Jacob should do, but he won't do it. Verse 14, and they said to him, we cannot do this thing to give our sister to one who is uncircumcised, for that would be a reproach to us. But on this condition, we will consent to you. If you become as we are, if every male of you is circumcised, then we will give our daughter to you and we will take your daughters to us and we will dwell with you and we'll become one people. But if you do not heed us and be circumcised, then we will take our daughter and be gone. And the words pleased Hamor and Shechem, Hamor's son. So the boys here, the 12 brothers, mainly the two who are her real brothers, her full brothers, blood brothers, um, they plan, their plan for revenge starts with deception and a lie. But we got to know that lies never justify, are never justifiable, excuse me. And furthermore, they use a holy and godly picture and, and right given to them as circumcision, and they use it as a perverted lie to bring death to someone. They use something that was supposed to communicate God's truth to the world, and they use it as a lie. Circumcision was an outward symbol of an inward commitment to the covenant of God, that you accepted God as your leader. That's what circumcision was about. But they never say, hey, you want to follow God with us? Why wouldn't you say that? Because they're terrible fleshly evangelists. They don't care about it. They want to kill them. That's their whole plan here, is to kill them all, to get revenge. These boys have not been brought up to honor God. Whose fault is that? Jacob, father of the year, right? Like the crosses on the shields of the crusaders, or the way the medieval church in Europe used to refuse communion to everyone who didn't do what they wanted to do and vote how they wanted to vote and serve who they wanted to serve. These things are, are not the way that they were intended to be. This is a family without leadership on display. The sons are more impulsive than their own father. They should never have had this authority to even speak at this situation, but they're the ones making all the decisions. And I want you now to, to switch and think of the conversation. Just imagine with me the conversation that Hamer has with all his people. <laughs> Just imagine that. Hey, guys, I met this girl, and we're going to get married, all right? But I need your help on something. And they would be like, whoa, bro, not okay. <laughs> but he's so influential and so powerful that they, they go along with him. All of them, well, we'll see verse 19. So the young men did not delay in, to do the thing because he delighted in Jacob's daughter. He was more honorable than all the household of his father. And Hamor and Shechem and, all, uh, and his son came to the gate of their city and spoke to the men of the city, saying, These men are at peace with us. Therefore, let them dwell in the land and trade in it, for indeed the land is large enough for them. Let us take their daughters as wives. Let us give them our daughters. Only 
On this condition, we will the men consent to dwell with us, to be one people. If every male among us is circumcised as they are circumcised, will not their livestock and their property and every animal of theirs be ours? Only let us consent to them, and they will dwell with us. All who went out of the gate of the city heeded Hamor and Shechem his son, and every male was circumcised. All who went out of the gate of the city. Notice how carnal and fleshly, selfish, the people of this land are. They want the daughters and the livestock and the property. So they're willing to pay the piper. The things people will do to make a buck and get some women. It's amazing. Verse 25, Now it came to pass on the third day when they were in pain that the two sons of Jacob, Simeon and Levi, Dinah's brothers, each took his sword and came boldly upon the city and killed all the males. And they killed Hamor and Shechem, his son, with, with the edge of the sword. They took Dinah from Shechem's house and went out. Then verse 27, the sons of Jacob came upon the slain and plundered the city because their sister had been defiled. And uh, the, what was in the city and what was in the field and all their wealth, all their little ones and their wives, they took captive and they plundered even all that was in the houses. This is the definition of taking things into your own hands. Not trusting in the Lord. When you don't lead your family, they will do what they think they have to, to survive. And, and listen, the rape of Dinah was disgraceful, evil act. But the wholesale murder of all the men of Shechem the looting of the city and the imprisonment of all the women and children of the city is inhumanly excessive. Simple math should have been taught to Jacob's sons, but he didn't even do that, where two wrongs never make a right, right? One little math lesson, this probably would have been taken care of. Harry Emerson Fosdick said, hatred is like burning down your own house to get rid of a rat. And that's what we see going on here. Could there have been another option? What was the other option? What could we have seen in this chapter if Jacob had been a godly father? Well, number one, she probably wouldn't have gone there alone. He would have been mindful of his daughter's whereabouts and protecting her. But if somehow this did happen, he could have confronted them, addressed the sin, had a fair situation go on with the punishment, and then forgive them. Forgive them. But that's not what the flesh wants to hear. That's not what we want to hear. Some of us think, eh, this, they kind of got what they deserved, huh? See, your city shouldn't be so corrupt. You all deserve to die. Right? But God, it could have gone a different way. Verse 30, then Jacob said to Simeon and Levi, you have troubled me by making me obnoxious among the inhabitants of the land, among the Canaanites and the Perizzites, since I am few in number. And they will gather themselves together against me and kill me. Shall, I shall be destroyed, my household and I. 
How many times did he say me or I? Eight times in that little section. Where do you think he's thinking about? Himself. What makes a terrible father? Yeah. You guys should teach this lesson. I don't have to. But they said, should he treat our sister like a harlot? Oh, my gosh. Jacob really gets father of the year award right here. Boys, he says, what are people going to think of me? What about my reputation? His ego is suffering. And I pray that I never worry more about what you think of me than about leading my family. This is a convicting message to teach. Because I'm like, oh my gosh, I don't want to be this guy. I don't want to make these mistakes. Even if I do make a mistake, I don't want to be as selfish as Jacob is here, where I only think about myself and my reputation. And what are people going to think about me? And I don't just humble myself to repent and say, I don't have all things figured out. I'm not the best dad in the world. Thank you, Kurt, for pointing that out. And, <laughs> and, but I, I need Jesus to fix that. I need him so much. And I hope that in our parenting conference, that that's the hearts that come out of it, is people who are like, I have really been messing up, and I need God so much. Not, I'm going to try harder, and I'm going to set up new rules that fix everything, because that's not what we're going to talk about. But we're going to talk about Jesus and surrendering our will to him on a daily basis when it comes to loving your kids, disciplining your kids, and being there for your kids. His boys are not going to listen to him anymore. This is really sad because he's a self-absorbed and total loser of a dad. Even though Jacob is saved, it shouldn't be this way. He's saved, but he's completely self-absorbed still as far as his relationship with his kids goes. So they're not going to listen to him. So here's the hard-hitting question. You ready? Do you care more about your children than you do about yourself? Because you should. Jacob never even talks to his daughter who was raped. He's so focused on his life and on his stuff that his family's getting in the way. Funny, from God's perspective, family is all that matters. God doesn't care about Jacob's financial pursuits. God's already promised to provide everything. Every moment that Jacob spends worrying about his job, God says is a waste of time. You should be out there protecting your family and caring about your family. Jacob, you're really messed up here. And your kids aren't going to respect you anymore. A small boy was at the zoo with his father, and they were looking at the tiger's and the dad says, uh, what dad was talking about, how ferocious and violent and how they could eat you, you know. And, and the kid said, Daddy, if the tigers got out, would they eat you up? He said, oh, yes, they would eat me up. The father asked, and he's getting ready to console him, like, but don't worry, it's not going to happen. But the kid's like, well, what bus would I take home then? <laughs> so... Who needs to repent after hearing this story? 
It's a joyful thing to repent and get right with God. It is. It's a great thing. Even if you lived your whole life up until this moment in disobedience, today if you hear the Spirit's voice in your heart saying, I have been totally messing up and I am selfish, you can turn around and be in Christ by faith. Someone said that you can run a hundred years away from God and it's only one step back. One step is all that separates you from God right now. Just saying, I repent. Just confess your sin to the Lord and receive his forgiveness and his cleansing. It's never too late to start being a good dad or mom or kid or single person or whatever you are. It's never too late to start honoring God in your life. It only is one step saying, all right, I'm done. I'm done doing things the way that I thought I needed to do it, and I'm going to turn to you right now.